Hey everybody, Donnie Bovine here. Thank you so much for listening to the episodes. Do me a favor, if you get any value out of these, would you leave me a review? It would mean the world to me. I'm on a massive mission to help as many people as I possibly can get to freedom through building a business. I gotta be honest, building a business is by far the toughest thing I've ever done in my life, and I promise you, my business has worked on me more than I've ever worked on it. I don't think there's a better tool in the world to meet the dude in the mirror than building your own company. You're going to find out what the hell you're made of. In these episodes, I bring on the people that have been through it, gone through it, done it, built monstrous companies, and I get them to coach me on how to actually level up, grow, and scale my business. They're hitting me with some hard questions. They're bringing some amazing advice. And, and I'm telling you, I take notes from every one of these episodes from these people that have actually lived it. They've gone through it and have turned their businesses into amazing empires. So I hope you find a ton of value in this. And I hope that this becomes something you come back to and listen to often. I mean, let's be honest. Every one of us, when we got into sales hated the rejection shit. We hated that we actually had to go cold outreach people. We hated that we had to be a fucking salesperson, right? The sales has never been the focus in business, in business school. And it's, but it's such a major part of being in business. You know, when you go to, uh, you know, all the schools are now starting entrepreneurial centers and, and teaching how to be an entrepreneur, but it's still all the theoretical business stuff on how you run a business. It's, it's it's economics and theoretical marketing and and all that type of stuff. It's not operations. It's not how to sell. They have not figured out how to get the younger generation to be motivated, productive, contributing um, in that kind of role. And I think that a lot of it goes back to just the setup of the of the company in terms of do they have the right systems and processes in place? Are they hiring the right way? Um, do they have an onboarding program that allows, you know, people to be successful? This is going to be a really fun episode. Uh, I have met with our guest, Melanie French, probably, oh God, we've probably met four times now where we've talked. And every time we've met, we've just had this amazing conversation about sales and sales process and strategy. Uh, and she is, um, without a doubt, a badass when it comes to sales. So Melanie, I am really excited to have you on today. No pressure. Welcome. Welcome to growth mode. Yes. Thanks for having me, guys. So I, I brought you on specifically because we were talking about having you be on a podcast and we were talking about topics and then it just popped in my head. It's like, oh, we're going to talk about sex and sales and specifically about men versus women selling. So, you know, when I started selling, you know, a couple of decades ago, uh, th there was, you know, it, it, sales was still a very male dominated thing. It was, and fortunately that's changing, and especially in the tech industry, you're starting to see a lot more women selling. So why, why is it, why have women shied away from it up until recently? Why haven't we seen, you know, as many badass sales women as we've seen sales men? Yeah, that's a, a great question. And I, I still think it's a, there's a big discrepancy in terms of the number of women that are in sales. Um, and why is that? I think to some degree, women in general, and maybe anyone in general, probably doesn't grow up saying like, man, my dream career is I'm going to be a salesperson. Yeah, let's clarify um, that. Nobody does. No one says Period. that. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so I think that that plays into it. But then when you think about maybe even the, the traditional, like, I hate using this traditional, the word traditional, but, you know, when you think of like traditional gender roles and just how folks have been brought up, it's just not like that career path just isn't necessarily a one that they think of, but B, even when it's brought up, I think there is a connotation around sales of maybe even aggressiveness. Um, it's probably the first word that comes to mind. Yeah. And so most, I mean, a lot of women don't, there are subset, me being one of them, like, you know, resonates with that. I'm, I'm an assertive high D on the, you know, disc profile. Um, so sales is very suited to me, but, I would say most females aren't. Um, 
don't have that. And a lot of guys probably aren't necessarily that way, but they may want to be that way or feel like they need to need to show that or be that way, just like in life in general. So they tend to be more inclined to, to have some of those traits either innately or modified or adapted to. And so I think that just makes them more salesy. But the, the funny thing is women in general have some really good superpowers when it comes to sales. There are some things that they're just innately better at than guys normally that makes them really great salespeople. You know, listening is one of those things. 100%. So, you know, and that I'm sorry, is what did you say? Yeah. Yeah, welcome to my <laughs> welcome to my world. Oh, what did you say I wasn't listening to you? Uh-huh. Awesome. But, you know, that that's a that's a big skill for a salesperson to be able to listen to their client. You know, what else, you know, what what makes women better at sales than men in some cases? I think there's a degree of detail orientedness um, mm. that comes when it related to like following up in a more creative way versus I think there's a, a brute force element to it when it comes to the male side of things. So, you know, we're going to women in sales, you know, we're not going to approach things exactly the same way. And so that different approach can set us apart um, when we're talking prospects. It's just it's a different way of doing things. Um, it's not as in your face or intense, not that we can't be, um, but it's a bit more, off the cuff, under the table, like coming from the side versus like, boom, in your face directly at you. Um, and I think that that, that serves, serves us well. I feel like she's personally attacking me. <laughs> no judgment here. No judgment. It's like, no. wow, you, you've met Donnie. <laughs> so no. do you think go, – go ahead, Donnie. Because, yeah, I mean, here's, here's, here's the raw truth. Women can flat out outsell guys for, for two major reasons. Right. Number one, you guys understand this word called empathy. Uh, number two, I, I have none of that. I, I'm none. so horrible. Yeah, you, none. And the second reason I think women can outsell guys is you guys have the ability to actually turn the screws in on somebody and not give a shit. Um, it's literally you guys can can. I mean, women can look at a dude and give him that look and melt him, right? I mean, is it is it sexist that Donnie's saying you guys when he's talking about you women? Should, should, I, I think we need to make him start saying you gals. No, it's fine. So <laughs> it's fine, right? But but I mean, really, at the end of the day, it's unfortunate that more women aren't in the sales game. Like they should oh, yeah. be in dominating this damn field. And I mean, let's be honest. Every one of us, when we got into sales, hated the rejection shit. We hated that we actually had to go cold outreach people. We hated that we had to be a fucking salesperson, right? And so, so I almost says that almost says a lot more about women of today that they're not getting into the game when they could actually outperform most of the guys that are in the game. I would agree with that. I think you also then you throw in the whole like millennial gen, whatever, gen X, gen Y, whatever the, the new, the, the new alphabet version. of the generation, yeah, whatever they are now. I don't know. I'm a millennial, but um, whoever comes after that, I think there's this whole like messed up storyline around, you know, either people don't want to work or they're, they're like not motivated the same or any of those, whatever the little stories are that go around that everybody's, you know, spitballing about. Um, I think those things are tie into it as well. And so is it true? I don't know. I think there's plenty of people that are both male and female that are motivated, really good at what they do, um, can and are, are successful. Um, right. but I do think that whole there's part of that storyline that's told around those other generate those younger generations does feed into kind of the lack of interest and or pursuit of a sales career um, for whatever reason. Hey, Donnie Bovine here, CEO of Success Champions Networking. And I just want to jump in really quick and tell you about the network. Success Champion Networking isn't for the beginning networker. 
It's for the business people that understand that building a successful relationships is a two-way street requiring commitment from both parties involved. Stop wasting time networking with people that don't understand how to leverage their network to generate quality referrals for you. If you're ready to network with business people that are tired of doing all the heavy lifting and want to build real partnerships that generate high revenue referrals, visit one of our chapters today at successchampionnetworking.com and I look forward to seeing you there. Well, what's really surprising then as I'm thinking through this in real time is sales is so evolved from when Kevin and I grew up in the sales game when there was no internet, there was no cell phones really, um, and you had to do this old school thing and where well, you actually had to go sell. Nowadays, there's so much more of this social influence that I don't want to say it's easier to sell now, but well, I think it's harder. Oh, I don't. I don't at all. I actually think, fine, then I'll flat out say, I think it's easier to sell now than it used to be back in the day because now I can go on social media. I can get consistent, put out content, build a following, get people that are into my message. And now I can go almost, I don't want to say I'm an influencer by any stretch of the imagination, but I can go that more influencer style social selling route. And that is 10 times easier than picking up the damn phone and doing cold calls. To some degree, but I, I do think the world has changed like so much that people rely on that so heavily that this, like they can't even use the stuff that's more old school. Like they don't know how or they won't. And that I, I agree with. I think it's I think it's effective and it can work. I mean, obviously, every industry, every business can be slightly different. I'm a fan of the like the education based content, like that type of um, I'll call that marketing, not necessarily selling. But I think there's that piece is helpful, but people want to rely solely on that and they don't have the skill set in any of the other kind of toolbox or the other tools in the toolbox. Like they just I, can't or won't because it requires speaking to someone or picking up the phone, God forbid. Like, right. oh my God. Um, That's a great point. Great point. You know, oh. so it, it does avoid, it almost avoids the rejection because there is no like, oh, I'm hiding behind my screen and I've got my social media and I've got my keyboard warriors out there just doing their thing. And um, not that that does it work. Yes. And I, I'm a believer in that. But I do think that we miss a lot because we don't interact in a in a face to face real manner. Well, I think. I think when you compare using the social media now as your prospecting tool versus how we would have done it back uh, when we were getting the sales game with the reach outs and cold calls, you know, there was noise for both, but it was different. So when I was prospecting at Nextel and I was, you know, doing my my uh, reach outs, my cold calls because social media wasn't a thing yet, there was every other business to business wireless rep was doing the same thing. So I would have clients that I would get meetings with. They're like, you are the third Nextel rep who's called me this week. You know, so there's that noise. And the same is true with social media. There is just as much noise now on social media for people who are trying to push, you know, whatever their product or services as there was with the telemarketing before. So, but it's just a different medium. So well, I think what Donnie's saying is the ability to be able to do multiple ones is what's going to be able to set you apart now in the well, sales that's, game. That's the whole point is, is I think our, us a little bit older generation have got this, Ooh, shit, we got a new tool to play with when it comes to selling. So we're still doing the old school tactics. We just added on the social media game and it gave us another lever to pull as far as our business development, AKA marketing, you know, prospecting, you know, behaviors uh, as, as we're out there. But that's a valid point, Melly. I, I hadn't thought about the lack of interaction and actually having to talk to people because I look at my nieces and nephews and they can barely carry on a damn conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how do we get more so, of them in the game? So before we ask ask, ask question, because that's really good, I want to talk about because we're talking about toys and in, lack of interaction. Let, let's talk about ChatGPT for a bit, uh, and and how is that going to mess with um, the sales piece? And is it is how oh is it going to be different for a, a woman salesperson than in how a guy salesperson would use it? Do you think there's going to be is there a is there a line between the sexes for, for AI and the tools? You know, I think the AI thing is cool. And so like just touching real quickly on like the thing over like 
AI overall and chat GPT overall, there's this, I think everyone is flocking to it in general. Like everyone's like, oh, this cool, neat new toy. Um, how are we going to use it? And when you like, even from a content marketing perspective, if everybody's dumping their stuff into chat GPT and having it spit out whatever that they post online, the people that are actually creating their own stuff and are going to stand out. It's yes. kind of, to me, it's kind of like the, are we the social media people or are we picking up the phone? It's, it's kind of a similar, similar conundrum there. So I think that, well, is it cool? Yeah. Is it going to replace salespeople in general? No, I don't buy that for a second. I think that there's a lot of cool, unique things and people are freaking out, of course, about what is AI going to do to my job and, and all this stuff. Um, I think it's a tool, but it still requires, like, in general, people want to talk to people and they want to have, want to have real conversations or well, social media, I don't know what, you know, uh, <laughs> from that standpoint, they really like in order to sell effectively, especially when it comes to like a more highly considered purchase, they're going to like chat GPT isn't going to sell them that. Like they want to talk to somebody who knows, like really knows, not some bot that is cool. I mean, so that piece aside, you know, I don't know women and, so I'm not a huge Chappie GPT fan at this point. I mean, I Couldn't think they have cool. made an easier fucking name to say. I mean, it's just to kind of say <laughs> Chat GPT. Like right? uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I think so for uh for women and I don't know. I've never thought about that. Women versus men. I think <laughs> this is going to sound terrible. I think guys may take the easier road and want to try to use chat 100 agree um i think women maybe are going to think more critically about it um and maybe say hmm maybe this isn't the way that i should approach it um or maybe i shouldn't use it for this some something along those lines i don't know the, the, so you're saying that women are more yeah women are more ethical than guys is that where we're going <laughs> i don't know that it's an ethics conversation oh, i'll say that I'll say that. I'll say it so you don't get in trouble. Blur the line. You guys blur the line a little more. A, a I mean, lot more. I'm a rule a follower in general, so I would I would agree with that to some degree. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, but I think if if <laughs> properly utilized, ChatGPT is going to do a lot for salespeople. The unfortunate side of it is when we talked to Josh Fetty, it was a great conversation. One point he brought up is like when some new technology comes along that inherently automates a process, in this case sales, we lose the skill set that the process automated. Mm -hmm. So like when email automation came through, um, you could all of a sudden plug in all your emails and it would start chunking out all these different emails. People forgot how to do an email sequence. They forgot how to write you know, those proper emails. So my fear with ChatGPT right now is people are going to be like, all right, give me the 10 sales questions I should ask on a sales call. And then they're going to start, you know, formulating, you know, what, how should I reply to this RFP in chat GPT? And you're going to get all these generic answers and all the things they had to manually think through, they're now going to try and put through this automation software and they're going to lose that skill set that, you know, at some point is going to be a valuable asset. That's, I, that's a very interesting take on it. Um, and I think you're hundred percent right. Wow, can we get that segment on loop? <laughs> You're 100% right. You're 100% right. That is going to be his new ringtone. Yes. He's going to be able to hear it all day. Yeah, every time it off. Any I'm married, dear. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, but all right, so how do we do we get more more women into the sales game? How do we get more of these millennials into the sales game because it is a profession that I mean it's a very lucrative profession too. I mean, outside of being an entrepreneur, it's the most lucrative profession in the damn world. And, you know, it's going to be a, I don't want to say a lost skill set, but you're going to see a lot of the old codgers and the old ladies that have been in the game for a long time, you know, staying in the game for a long time because they're the only ones that are able to out there go out and sell. So. Yeah. That's um, a huge conundrum. Like I work with a lot of, a couple of clients in the insurance, commercial insurance space. And one of the, big problems that plagues that industry overall is 
they're all very small agencies. And when they try to, these are more independent type agencies, not like right. your state farm type stuff, but they, um, they struggle to hire like new, new hires that are, I'll call it, you know, young in their careers or right out of college, like, you know, entry level type people. Um, and so they have all of these old timer people that have been in the industry, do everything kind of the old school way. And they have not figured out how to get the younger generation to be motivated, productive, contributing um, in that kind of role. And I think that a lot of it goes back to just the setup of the of the company in terms of do they have the right systems and processes in place? Are they hiring the right way? Um, do they have an onboarding program that allows, you know, people to be successful? But I think that's one of the key things, like, with even especially women in sales, like they want to come into a lot of people want this, but I think it's especially true women. They want to come into an environment that kind of takes them with open arms and helps them develop and grow through the process uh, as they you know grow in their career. And I think a lot of companies, their sales onboarding, their sales training, like none of that is well flushed out. And it's like, hey, good luck. I mean, it's still a lot of organizations operate and it's like, hey, welcome aboard. Good luck. Like, yeah. here's your computer, here's your phone. Yep. Um, figure it out. And I think that's, I think that hurts entirely the younger generation overarchingly. And so they go to a chat GPT to, to help them shortcut or figure it out. May or may not work um, for them. Truth will, or the time will tell. But I think women in general are, tend to look for a more homely environment. I hate that word, but uh, <laughs> I guess they want to, they want more of that environment. It's like, Hey, how are you going to help me be successful? And because there's a lot of other positions and jobs out there that have that built around it, but for whatever reason, sales kind of lives in like, I don't know, the 19th century sometimes. I agree. God, I agree. Um, so there's a lot of good resources and tools out there, but companies are still operating like it's, 40 years ago sometimes. And it's like, that's, that is not going to cut it when it comes to recruiting the younger generation. Like they're looking for something different. And yeah. so I think that, that definitely ties into, you know, the male female piece, but overarchingly as well. For sure. I mean, I remember when I got hired on in one of my first really big sales jobs, they literally handed me a desk and a computer and said, there you go. I had no training, no coaching, no mentoring, no anything. And even back then, thinking back then, if I just had one person who would have sat me down and said, okay, here's how you find prospects. Yeah, you and my, Right, right. And gave me a step-by-step process. I'm sure I would have only used the process for a little while because that's just how I'm wired, but it will at least given me a direction. And I, I agree with you. These companies today aren't taking the time to build out a real onboarding process, a real sales process. They're going to lose because, you know, we've worked with a couple of younger people and, you know, we – are recording videos and we're doing SOPs and, you know, we're documenting along the way. So there's extra tools to allow them to have those resources versus going, Hey, figure it out. The old school way, like what we grew up with. Yeah. Well, even with, you know, what we just taught in uh, success champion networking uh, with our becoming a champion on how to, how to do reach outs on, on LinkedIn you know, what that process looks like and, and how to do it so that you aren't that slimy salesperson. Uh, Wait, you don't and- want to buy my stuff? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, some of them that I get on LinkedIn, I'm like, how did how did someone convince you that this is actually a good way to sell? Uh, this, this is this why is we created horrible. Pitch Slap on the Monday morning. We do a Monday morning live show in our community. And we have a segment called Pitch Slap where we read off all these horrible pitches. <laughs> it's so awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of bad ones. Oh, oh horrible. You know, um, so all these people, these young and women, guys, I don't care. I'm really more concerned overall about the younger generation and getting them engaged. You know, what are some of the things specifically a business or a small business owner should do? to get more people, even the younger generation to not even lean in just from sales, but lean in overall. So I think the, like the college recruiting market is huge. 
um, in terms of getting engaged with local universities, um, especially the ones that have sales and marketing type programs. There's a lot of great programs out there and becoming active in terms of, I mean, that can mean a lot of things. Some of the universities have different clubs that companies can be a part of, um, classes even, depending on you know how they structure their, their courses and, and all of that. But those are great opportunities from a recruiting standpoint um, to A, get involved and get your exposure to, to get good talent, right, kind of out of the gate um, and, and build those relationships. But it also, you know, you can begin to, to develop, you know, some onboarding and, and training programs around, like, how do you bring someone out of college, right, who, let's be honest, basically doesn't know jack shit about the business world or, or life, um, you know, and like, so they... In their mind, they come out thinking like, oh, I'm this, you know, I'm a recent college grad. Well, so is everybody else that I talk to um, when I'm interviewing. So how can we, you know, when they're speaking to a company, like what types of things they want to know? Like, what do you have in place? Like, how how do I know that if I take a job here that like, how do you measure success? Do you have that defined? Um, do you have a progression that someone, you know, can go through to, to learn the industry, to learn your company, um, to learn whatever skills? you know, from a sales perspective that are, that are needed in order to, to be successful. Um, because ultimately that whole endeavor, like the whole endeavor of hiring is expensive, right? It's expensive yes. whether they last and they're expensive whether they don't last. It's more expensive if they don't last. So when you business owners don't always think about it like that, but they just think, Oh, like I paid somebody their $40,000 base salary. They didn't, they didn't make it. Okay. Like, piece out, I'll get rid of them and hire someone else. But but the reality of that is they lost three, six, nine, twelve months of of sales potentially. Yep. They lost potentially morale because people around them in the organization don't want to like turnover sucks, right? Like why is everybody getting fired or why is everybody leaving? So organizationally having a lot of those systems, processes, training on the front end, like if you want to hire people entry level, if you don't have that stuff in place, you're going to have a lot of turnover. And and it can be a differentiator when you're attracting people as well. So you're looking to hire people that are, you know, bought into whatever your, your mission and vision is as a company, and you are looking for people to last. It's hard to do. Um, this is why I'm fascinated with the next 10 years. And it'll come right back well, to you, it's Kevin. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> because, you know, all these big companies, they can't hire. They can't bring these people on. Um, they don't know how to train them. They don't know how to work with them. And, you know, now you've got so many entrepreneurs in the space that are now working remote that you could, I have a computer, I have social media, I can create a company, you know, so these next 10 years are going to be really, really, really fascinating. But Kevin, I cut you off. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's fine. My, my comment was going to be, you know, it's, the sales has never been the focus in business, in business school. Mm. And it's, but it's such a major part of being in business. You know, when you go to, uh, you know, all the schools are now starting entrepreneurial centers and, and teaching how to be an entrepreneur, but it's still all the theoretical business stuff yeah, and how you run a business. It's, it's, it's economics and theoretical marketing and, and all that type of stuff. It's not operations. It's not how to sell. You know, if you got a business degree, when I was in college, if you got a business degree, there was not a, a sales 101 class. There was nothing where they taught you about the whole concept of how to sell the psychological pieces, the process, any of that type of stuff. So I, I think, you know, that if we're able to make that shift – where people understand that, you know, sales is a big part of business. And, and that's something that we teach when we're working with people that are going through that that startup phase uh, of that, hey, your number one role as the entrepreneur, as a business owner is sales. And getting people to understand that that is, you know, if you can learn how to sell, you're going to learn so much about business. Now you have that that basis to be able to go and be entrepreneurial and go do other things. Because you understand the basic skill of business, which is selling a product. Absolutely. Question for you guys, Donnie, you touched on the rem like remote work type thing. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, well, I think remote work is here to stay, but I do, do you think that it hurts or helps like recent college grad or entry level type people coming into the workforce? 
I've been seriously trying to think through for me, would remote working when I was a lot younger affected how I sold? And I I really think it would. Um, and, and And the reason being is I needed to get my teeth kicked in in a real world situation. I needed to go fuck up a lot of sales calls, right? I needed to go through those experiences and I don't think I would have gotten those same experiences if I was sitting behind my computer trying to do 100% sales that way. And I, I attribute most success from sales, most success in running a business from all the fuck ups and learning from those moments when everything you know breaks and you go, okay, what did I screw up there? You adjust and you go again. And, and I don't know that I would have gotten the same level of that type of experience. Now, with that said, I, I know for a fact remote's a hundred percent here to say, stay, which I don't have the answer to right now is how do you teach a new remote sales team to do both go be in person and virtual? What's the behaviors and you put behind that so they can be successful. That'd be a fascinating thing to go figure out. And the person who does is going to make a lot of damn money. <laughs> what do you think, Kevin? <laughs> oh, it's, it is a completely different way to learn sales. Cause the, one of the benefits of being in the bullpen in a, in a sales organization was that you got, you had people there that could answer questions. You could literally crawl, call across, call across the cubicle. <laughs> there was no, there was no crawling across the cubicle. You're calling across the cubicle. Yeah, all different. Yeah. Uh, you could literally call across your little cubicle wall and say, Hey, all right. So how are you doing this? And you could get that immediate feedback. And, you know, and Donnie and I do it sometimes. We, we did it yesterday where we just sit on Zoom and we're working. We literally, for a while, we weren't talking, but we we're still on Zoom. So we had that concept of the office cubicle world where you we could interact and talk like and ask that. questions. But you don't have that now if you're doing 100% sales from home. And, you know, people are just like now mad because some companies are saying, yeah, you got to come into the office on like two days a week. Well, and it's probably they're making those rules because they're seeing that their their uh, employees aren't actually engaging with each other as much as they used to. And they're losing some of that that collaboration piece. Everyone says, oh, you can totally collaborate. You can not Slack, but it's not the same. And it's just like we're telling our networking groups in SCN that, hey, yes, you are an online networking group, but you still have to have the in-person events. You still got to do the thing where you can go up and shake someone's hand and actually, you know, give them a hug if you're that person uh, and and have that type of interaction. You can't just be 100% virtual. So, you know, I, I, I think they're missing out on a lot if you try to have it all virtual, especially for someone who's never sold before. you got to have that support structure where they feel comfortable just saying, okay, what's going on? You And you probably can answer because I've been hearing you do all the same calls I'm doing and you're saying I got an appointment where I'm saying crap another one hung up on me I think from a women are going to be more affected by that by the remote work than than men how so I think that's a I just I think the like just the nature of how women are like in terms of maybe more sociable but just like personality wise I think they like putting you behind like you know, putting someone behind a computer screen i think the the deficits that come from that as a, a younger female in sales is going to be a much much greater deficit than from a guy's perspective well, I think it is, it's uh it's interesting because there is a definitely a social aspect to women and how they like to work uh in on one of my deployments there's they were they built a well you know they, they updated the water supply for a village and so you know previously the women were walking to this well collecting all their their water and then coming back uh, and they built out this new water supply process for them which basically gave them running water and no one used it the women still came to the well to collect water because it was their chance to socialize and be with all the other women mm, in the area. Uh, and, you know, and there's other concepts where I was looking at how, you know, in some areas where uh, like Brett, 
all the women would bring their bread to one baker who had all the really nice stoves and he would break their bed for them. They'd cook it. They, they'd make the into the loaves or whatnot, but he would bake it. And that was their socializing time. Hmm. So I, I think that socialization piece is, is I, I think you're onto something with that being a really big part for how women uh, operate so and become more successful. In how, sales. How do, then, then how do companies embrace that in a, half virtual world i mean do you bring a open work office working sessions where people can you know maybe cold call everybody's sharing zooms uh or they're doing reach outs and everybody's on the zooms um and it, my question also in that in those dynamics you're still going to have personality conflicts i mean let's be honest two, two guys with high egos shouldn't be in the same room at the same time because they're either going to feed off each other or beat the shit out of each other right um, the same thing with women a lot of times high-powered women will not play well together you know um because the claws come out and so you know you got to wrestle that dynamic so so melanie i'm really curious how the hell do companies embrace you know the especially the younger generation of females if there is that such that social aspect that's a fascinating thing to think through first thoughts there's an element of intentionality so everyone like a lot of companies like say like oh we want to be x or we want to do y and then they kind of just like leave it at that and assume that oh um we're gonna it'll be fine it'll work itself out and it's when it comes to like the remote piece if there's not a level of intentionality about whatever it is we're trying to accomplish and putting steps in place to actively work on that, it's just going to fall flat on its face. So that piece of just saying you want to do it is a start, but the intentionality is really where it comes, like, you know, the, the rubber meets the road in terms of, are we going to actually be able to be successful? And so I've seen, there's, a, there's an element of, like, I'm a fan of hybrid, especially for um, young young professionals. Personally, I work 100% remote now and I love it. I also worked in an office for five days a week for 15 years. So, and I think that had a huge impact on success and my ability to learn and grow and, and get where I am today. So as a young, young person coming out, I would want to know that the organizations that I'm going, organization I go to work for has some sort of intentional plan around that component of things. So that could look like team, like team building type things like you talked about virtually. Um, some of it's like intentional one-on-one -on -one conversations with, you know, I'll call it a talk track or a, you know, a certain set of questions like checking in in terms of how someone is doing um, more than just checking in, but it's an intentional set of, we're going to have this meeting every 90 days and we're going to talk about these things. And it's an open forum from a development perspective. So, I, so wait, are, are you saying corporations actually got to give a shit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, was, I was playing so it all through my head. Good ones do. Like, right, there are right. some great companies out there that do a great job and have a lot of these things figured out. And there's also quite a few that suck. So, um, and those are the ones that chew people up and spit them out. And nobody wants to work there. Like, and a lot of people hear about experiences in those realms, potentially from a sales perspective and think, oh man, like I don't want any part of that. So I think that's giving it a bad name as well. I wonder if anybody's done a study on men led companies versus female led companies and which ones give a shit more. You know, I know there's a better way of phrasing that. 100% women. Right. Well, down. and then the second part of that, I wonder if anybody's done a study on a salesperson who built a company versus a non-salesperson and how that fits a culture because a traditional gregarious dude that's built his company usually has this egocentric style of brand, right? And there's this air of egoness throughout the company. I don't know how else to say that. And I wonder if somebody who's non-sales type, what their culture tends to look like and how that shapes through companies, because I think that's really going to change up the dynamics of what it looks like for new people coming into the company. Yeah, you know, sales versus operational. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
you know, because I just I I know a couple of guys that are these over the top ego dudes that come from the sales game, and you walk into their office and it's like walking into the sales pit, like the old school. You know, we're gonna freaking get after it, phone decks. You know, and 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 it's game on at that point. Um, Glenn, yes, Glenn, Glenn Gary, Glenn <laughs> Ross, right? And and dude, I'm telling you, that style of selling is dying daily, which is awesome, um, which I absolutely love. But I, I think because for so long that style of environment was was the way to do business. I don't know that companies know how to get away from it. Flip side of that, and then I have a question. Uh, you got guys like Gary V who's coming out and saying happiness and love, but you know that motherfucker's a dick. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, that guy is over the top. He's loud. He's one of those you know going to win at all cost guys. And, you know, I mean, go look at his glass door reviews and I'll tell you a lot, you know, nothing against the guy, you know, exactly right. Right. You know, um, they're both doing something right. If you look at it from just an economic standpoint, right. Morally, I can't say I agree with everything they do. Right. But, you know, so I'm. I'm curious if a company's been long in the tooth, like they've been around for a while. How do they make such a massive shift to get away from this factory style worker environment where you're a robot employee that just does one thing all day, that's your job, to this collaboration environment where they're embracing learning, they're embracing culture, and they're trying to transform everything around? How do they do that? Well, it starts at the top. So if the top's not bought in, you're kind of screwed. Um, <laughs> I, mean, it's, it's, I mean, you can, as a department leader, and I mean, depending on the size of the organization, you can try to make some strides. But at the end of the day, you're always going to be limited by and tap out at whatever, wherever that line is for the people higher, higher than you or some variation of that. So I think, you know, I think there's there are good, authentic leaders that buy into lead companies that buy into that more new age and evolved way of doing business, you know, um, selling all of those things. And so how do you change? I mean, the, the leader of the organization has to decide that that's how they want it to be. I mean, intentionality. If they, yeah. if they don't decide that that's the kind of company they want to be, they're just going to be stuck where they're at. Um, change is hard. And so the, the ability to change is, you know, definitely linked to can that person at the top make a change or will they? Yeah, and that's that's the key part, I think, for business in general. If you want to grow and scale a business, you need to be willing to look at uh, things that are different, that do not work the way you've always done it in the past. You know, that can't be the excuse anymore. Well, that's how we've always done it. That's how I sold when I was a young whippersnapper salesperson. So you should do it that way too. You need to be willing to explore. All right. So let's, you know, let's look at that. How do we, how do we test it? How do we break it and see what it actually does and what we like and what we don't like about it. And that's just, that's the trait of a good business owner, you know, in, in general, let alone a good sales leader I had when I was at Nextel, we transitioned from a really great sales leader, uh, a sales manager who had sold solution sales and understood the industry really well to someone who his experience in selling other before coming to Nextel was selling tickets for a sports team. Very transactional. Now he was running a high, high performing business team. And his idea of how you managed it was, you know, we need to do daily call ins at five and you got to report on all your activity for the day. I'm like, no, that's that's not happening because I'm at 150 percent of quota. I don't need you micromanaging me. And, you know, and he wasn't open to the change. So I left. I'm like, screw it. I'll go. I can sell the same product for someone else. Literally, I can sell Nextel for a partner. So, and, and I did. And I went and worked for my old sales manager at that, the partner that he was now an owner of. So, but that's the thing. You have to be willing to make the trial. You need to try things different. You need to be listening to people who have different experiences and can say, well, here's how you, you know, 
here's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I, I wonder if, as I said, I keep going back to it and it keeps running through my head. These next 10 years are going to be so fucking fascinating. I'm really excited to see how this all plays out with the, the younger generation and the, the seasoned, you know, veterans that are, have left corporate America and have started their own things. I think you're going to see a resurgent come back around where they're going to go back and find a job because building your own business is tough as shit. And I, I, I don't think they're ready for that. So I think that's going to be, yeah, that's it. hundred percent. It's, I mean, the number one determiner, I mean, there's a, luck involved and obviously some relationships but in general if you can't sell you're not going to be successful in a entrepreneurial type business but but Melanie most people they're like I just I I just want to do my thing I just want to serve people I just want to help people why do I have to go sell (laughs) (laughs) or they think of selling as this four-letter word like it's not a four-letter word it's just a Hey, like, let's have a conversation. Here's what I do. Here's how I help. Are we like, is this something that's relevant in your world? You know, let's talk about that. Is there a good fit or not? Okay. We we hear this. This is the conversation. Yeah, Yeah, we we hear this from business owners all the time, and it drives me and Donnie completely nuts. They think if they need to sell more, they just need more marketing. We need Sometimes more marketing stuff. Well, <laughs> it, it's part of it, but they think that's actually what's going to sell the product. You know, they think, well, I just need more marketing and, and my revenue will go up. Well, you, the, the marketing, if you're doing it right, is going to get more people in your pipeline. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to sell your your service. Yeah, uh, you especially if, if you're selling something higher ticket. Yeah, exactly. Or so, you know, <laughs> and, and that was my issue when I started Time on Target, when I did my big pivot into the consulting role. It was I was doing all the CEO stuff and, you know, I was creating a website and creating the marketing things and pricing pages and all kinds of really cool stuff that didn't actually sell my product. You know, that there was a whole, I'll, I'll build this website and then I'll sell stuff. No, that's not how this works. Trust me. Been there, done that. So, you know, it, it's getting your head around that you have to go sell stuff. You need to talk to people is you know so key which is what also gets people stuck too in today's world because we're all want to be behind our computers and remotely working from home um makes it difficult to get comfortable doing those things because you're not in front of people enough you're not having those conversations on a regular basis yep Hey, I like the fact that I can still be sitting here in my pajama bottoms and run three companies. So, you know, I'm going to stay remote for a oh, while. I love it. I'm, 100, yeah, I'm all about the remote. I'm a, I work remotely. Completely. Yeah, it's, it's so awesome. So, Melanie, we could probably go on and on and on and on and on for quite a while about this stuff. You get us talking about sales and we were not likely to shut up for sure. Um, one question I want you to speak on really quick and then we'll wrap this up is tell me a little bit about a little bit. I see now I caught it. Sure. First, she couldn't say chat GPT. Kevin couldn't crawl over the cubicles. Now I'm just blah, 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 blah. Fucking hell. Um, tell me a little bit or talk to me about Hope Island. I saw it in one of your posts on LinkedIn and I want to know more. All right. So Hope Island is the place that salespeople go believing that a deal is still viable, valid, going to close, whatever, however you want to describe it. So um, it's a place where a lot of salespeople live because they don't ask questions. They don't have next established steps. Um, but somehow that deal is miraculously going to close um, by end of the month, end of the quarter, what, whatever it is. So that's the general premise of, of what Hope Island is. Um, what other questions do you have on it? Well, I knew what it was. I just wanted to hear you explain because it was a funny damn post that I, of yours that I read on there and I really enjoyed shit a bit. Uh, you know, we used to call it Hopium. Um, they, they're, oh, I like that they're, they're, I might steal that. Yeah, feel free. <laughs> it's not mine originally. I stole it off somebody, you know, um, you know, but it's that same idea. I think people get what's what I, we've always called happy years. They start oh, yeah, hearing hearing what's not actually being said, but they, they're like, we talked to a, a client yesterday and she's like, I think I just landed this really, really large deal. And I'm like, okay, tell me more. And they're like, well, he said, give him a couple of weeks and get back to him. Then he might possibly maybe do something. I'm like, Jesus Christ, here we go. That's so. going nowhere. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, 
Um, how do people keep themselves from getting caught in Hope Island? Best question that I ask from a sales leadership perspective is what's your next, like what's the next step? So if you can't tell me what your actual next step is in a, in a pretty specific way, you're probably on Hope Island. Um, and that to me, that means usually it's a, a time and the date on time and date on the calendar for a next meeting, whatever, and whatever that is, whatever's going to happen in that meeting. So if a prospect isn't willing to commit to a future date and time, kind of on the spot, probably there's some red flags there. There's something they're not telling you. There's something you haven't uncovered. You haven't asked, whatever it is. Um, but clear next step. And yeah, I, 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 on the calendar. You know, one thing back when I was doing sales training that I always tell, you know, the presidents of companies, sales managers, I'm like if that salesperson comes back and they are excited and they're telling you all about the sales call and all the things first, be worrisome, right? But then ask them all the questions. What's the next steps? What's going on? What's here? If they come back and they kind of just go a straight line to their desk and sit down, you know they bombed the sales call. Go out and ask any question that's not about that sales call. Ask them about another job that's going through the shop. Ask them about anything to allow them to, because they're so deflated at that moment because they blew a sales call. Give them two seconds to breathe. And then go, all right, what could you have done better? And let them come to you versus browbeating the shit out of them. And it works really, really, really well. I like uh, that too. Oh, it's been a lot of fun. Well, my dear, it has been a blast having you on here. It's awesome to get to know you. Hopefully we get to see you here in a couple of weeks in Cincinnati um, when Kevin and I fly in for that. So um, how do people get in touch with you? Um, they absolutely should reach out to you. You know your shit. And I'm very, very impressed with with such a, a young gal that's that's kicking ass as much as you are. So so good on you. How do people get in touch with you? Yeah, best way is LinkedIn. Um, you can find me, Melanie French. French Sales Solutions is my company. And you should be able to pull me up using either of those. Um, but would love to interact with you on there. I post several times a week with Good stuff, funny stuff, stories, tips, tricks, all those things. So that's um, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. It was great. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm so glad you came on. When I created Success Champions, it was on the idea that most people make themselves an island as they're growing their business. Yet they just don't want people to know how bad things are because if anybody knew how bad things are, nobody would do business with you. So like me, they don't often reach out for advice. They don't get support. They just try and put their head down and grind through it. And let's be honest, man, that, that lifestyle sucks. And when you're constantly trying to find yourself to push through it and figure it out on your own, it often leads to misery. We created Success Champions so you don't make yourself an island, so you don't build your business alone. There are a ton of people that are going through it on the same journey that are looking for the same advice you are. Maybe they've been through it and are looking to help. So come hang out with Success Champions. Go to successchampionnetworking.com, go visit one of our peer groups, and let's help you actually get to business freedom. Don't build your business alone. Come hang with us as Success Champions.